Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to episode 14 of Flow Wrestling Radio Live. I am your host, Christian Piles, joined as always by my mainest man, Willie Saylor, a.k.a. Willie Smalls. And we just had a marathon weekend, one that um, it, uh, honestly was it was it was a little tough to, to keep um kind of a hold of what was going on willie what are you up to what's going on it was craziness crazy my friend it was insane how many how much was going on to the point that um and i consider myself someone fairly dialed into what's going on in wrestling but you know i spent the weekend at eiwas we're broadcasting that had a great time there lehigh was a tremendous host but i didn't even realize till this morning as i'm entering results for rankings that number two ranked guy in the country, Dave Habit, lost to BJ Claygon. Yeah. And I was like, you know, as we were talking and planning the show, I'm like, you know what? There's too many conferences on one weekend. <clears throat> and um, it would behoove the non-big conferences, a like the non-Big Ten conferences basically, um, to, to move their conference. So um, that was something I wanted to talk about right off the top. What do you think about that, Willie? Uh, yeah, I was in a kind of similar situation as you. I mean, probably every anybody that in wrestling media and probably every uh, wrestling fan in America was uh, inundated with, with you know all these conference tournaments and state tournaments going on and big results and huge news and what to watch and um, you know even I was at Big Tens um, and even after you know. You watch all this wrestling and and then you know, amazing experience. And then you, it was midnight, one o'clock in the morning. I'm going through and seeing who, what happened at the New Jersey State Tournament or the Pennsylvania State Tournament. And it's just a lot to take in. Uh, but to your to your point, um, that wouldn't be a bad idea, in my opinion. Um, 
Right. You know, you have the Pac-12s, and I've long asked, um, why are Pac-12s the only conference on a different weekend? And the answer I get repeatedly is shortage of officials. Really? So, oh, yeah. Shortage I, of officials. Yeah, I, didn't, I thought you knew that. I mean, Shor- I thought— a Shortage of officials, I, that, doesn't, that doesn't make any sense because— I'm telling you. I know. <laughs> uh, that's what I'm telling you. So there— wa- All right, hold on. Hold on. Let me go. The the Pac-12 tournament is not even a big. I mean, there's like six teams or something in the whole tournament. That's the difference between having enough officials and and not having enough. So, um, okay. May uh, here's the thing. I, I don't know. All yeah. I know is that I've been asking for years, and I've asked multiple sources. Like this is coming from several different people that I would trust, like that know their their stuff, and I get that's the answer I get. Every time. So uh, whether it's true or not, that's, that's the answer I get, and maybe that is a consideration. But more to, the, more to the point, would it be more interesting and more beneficial to the sport, say, if you had um, Pac-12s and EIWAs uh, and SOCON on one weekend and Big Tens and ACCs and, and whatever Western wrestling on, on a different weekend? Yeah. I mean, I don't understand why, why that doesn't happen, and – uh, I, yeah, I, I know you're just reporting what you heard, but it just doesn't make sense that there's not enough officials. I mean, certainly there, there, there's a way to make this work and figure this out. So um, I'd like to, I'd like to see it move. And if I'm in one of these conferences, I, you know what? I'm, I don't want to be an afterthought. I want to win the weekend, or I want to be the number two thing on the weekend. I mean, a number two guy going down was just a very outside thought for most people because the Big Ten just dwarfs everything in college wrestling and and you know with with good reason in some way so if if i'm someone who wants to build the brand of my conference i'm thinking strategically about the timing of my conference and and considering moving it um and i believe that next week that weekend prior is is a great opportunity have the max and have eiws i don't know have three or four or five conferences then why not we have Three or four conferences on this. Well, it certainly it certainly would put them on display, right? I mean, it certainly would add visibility to all parties involved. Instead of, um, you know, you're a fan, you're a fan of Oklahoma, so you're really dialed in at Big Twelves, and you don't really get to follow Big Tens as much. Or you're a fan of, you know, wh- whatever it may be. You're a fa- you're a huge Lehigh fan, and you're following EWAs, but you can't really pay attention to Big. Big tens, uh, split them up, and, and and you can focus on more things, and you can have more, uh, be more knowledgeable about it, be more passionate about it, get more eyeballs on it, and and a, a corollary thing too is, uh, I think for the NCAA people, all the people that are involved with uh, the seating and everything that goes into that, um, it could it could help them dial things in because right now they have just a glut of information and a quick turnaround to to sort things out by uh, tomorrow with the, with the, the wild cards and then Wednesday with the brackets. Yeah, and I just think if if we're if we want to grow and I don't I don't want to make everything about growing wrestling. Sometimes it's just the right thing to do. But um, if if you're a casual fan, okay, and you just love wrestling, and maybe you don't have a conference or a team allegiance, you just love watching wrestling. And you have a choice this week in what you're going to watch, and you you have to choose something. No casual fan is going to choose anything other than Big Ten. So what you're doing is you're you're blocking out this 
you know, the great EIWA matches or the great ACC matches by the timing of your of your tournament. So for for me, uh, just in a maybe a broader picture, I think that's the way to go because you're going to get more eyes on more wrestlers, and it's not just going to be. Um, watching Big Tens and knowing Big Ten athletes. We want guys to know the West Coast guys. We want guys to know, you know, Gabe Dean and the awesome match that Mason Beckman and Kevin DeVoy had. My gosh, that was great. But not that many people, I mean, a good many people watched it. But relative to, um, you know, what it could have been potentially, it's not right. as large. And and if you can get more eyes on on all of these guys, it's only going to help our sport. Cause yeah, rest, yeah, if you can, if you can help, if you can help, uh, the presentation to the fans, um, you know, they're gonna they're gonna be more knowledgeable. There's gonna be more stars. There's gonna be more passion. There's gonna there's gonna be more information when when they go to St. Louis, right? They're gonna know a lot of these things. I mean, listen, there's a problem when uh, guys like guys like me and you, who who it's our job to follow these things, uh, just casually like like so post facto eight hours later just kind of find out that aj shop lost yeah that's a problem yeah it, it is a huge problem and yeah i i don't know what else to say other than it's something i hope it gets considered i hope um these other conferences look at it and think we got this weekend and plus you know i'm not a coach i'm not someone who has this great knowledge of training cycles and training but I would think that having an extra week to prepare and recover, especially this time of year, that recovery time is so huge. Um, between then and NCAAs would be an advantage. And I should have, before we came on here, should have talked to you know one of these Pac-12 coaches and, and reached out and be like, is it an advantage? Isn't it a good thing? And, and see what they think about it because um, it just doesn't make sense for one conference to have a monopoly on it. So um, that's all I had there. Uh, any closing thoughts on on changing kind of the conference? Because we got a lot to get to, Willie. No, I think yeah, we got a lot to get to. Is right. I don't know how we're gonna fit in an hour, but uh, no, I mean I think it's worth considering. You know, this was kind of a me and Christian off air. We're kind of um, spitballing about this topic, and um, I think it's a great thing to be put on the table. Uh, now, you know, when you bring things up like this, uh, shotgun style. Maybe you're not thinking about all the pros and cons, and, sure. and somebody somebody out there in the wrestling world will have a good point that uh, you know say, well, they can't. It would be bad because of this, or yes, it would be good because of that. So uh, leave your comments or tweet at us and uh, and enlighten us a little bit. But um, I think there's no there's no uh, fear in talking about. It. There's nothing. It's a, it's not a bad idea to talk about. I think it, there's a lot of good things that can come of it. Yeah, no question. Um, you had on there. You wanted to talk. A little about officiating. Um, I, I honestly don't. I'm I'm one to gripe. I like to gripe about officials. Just one of my hobbies. But I I was pretty pretty cool with how things were going at EIWAs, which leads me to believe you were not pleased with what you saw at Big Tens. Willie, what's happening? Um, you know I, I'm I've always been ultra critical of officials in a, any sport it was since I was a kid. Yeah. I like to scream at the television about uh, false starts and and offsides and everything but uh i know i don't at big tens man there was some sketchy stuff going on really sketchy stuff um from everything from consistency on on calls and situations to uh judgment calls mm -hmm. 
I don't know. I you know I don't know if I have a whole laundry list of of things, but there was I found myself with my arms in the air often. Um, and okay, so I will say this though a specific specific um, thing uh, the video review policy I didn't get I didn't get it at all. Uh, sometimes you could challenge, sometimes you couldn't. Mike Allen was there, the former great official, and he was uh, serving as like the the um, head of officiating. And I mean, there was times that the officials called for challenges. Mm-hmm. Um, with no coaches challenge, there was times where Mike Allen went over and told the officials that they have to review that yeah. with, ne- with me. Ne- okay. So, so neither coach asked for review, neither official said we should review it. Mike Allen comes over and says, you guys got to review that. Like, how is that standard operating procedure? How is that fair? Kind of, I mean, I don't know. I saw the same thing, and now that you mention it, I like, forgot about it. But at EIWAs, there were some challenges, and they're watching the challenge. Okay, both officials are watching it. And some dude that's like an official's official or whatever is like telling them, well, this, this, this. Like basically trying to get them to change their call and their judgment. And I'm like, first of all, the two officials that were viewing it were correct because I was sitting there. I was doing the review, right? Because, like, we were doing the, the official's review at EIWAs. And, like, the officials were going to make the right call. It was on a locked hands or, or a takedown or something. And they, they figured it out, and they were going to be right. And this guy's like, well, uh, actually, da, da, da. And they're, these officials are, like, explaining to the head guy, I uh, no, actually not. And I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, you're right. I'm like, what is this? How many guys? Can you just? Can anyone just come down? It's visions of like, and it's not a flow radio live show of me without me kind of picking on Fila. It's visions of like the kind of, you know, anyone can change, right. um, the it, the the call at any point in time. It's like you got the officials, you got the review. Uh, I mean, your thing, maybe if there's like a kid getting ejected or something like that, okay, you can come in. But don't be changing calls on the mat. There's two officials. They're looking at the video. Mind your business. And if that's the role right. of that guy, I feel fairly certain it, that guy is not supposed to be making those kind of statements. Um, but if it is his role, I think it's wrong. And I think we we can't have all this, um, all, all these people getting their opinions in. Unless you want to have a, one official who only does reviews and he just sits in a room somewhere. Um, well, that's what, that's what I said too. And it's, I mean, even before I, you know, long ago, I said this during the regular season and it's a kind of, it's nothing endemic to the big 10 tournament or any of the conference tournaments or any conference things that I saw this weekend. It's kind of a generic thing, but you cannot, how, how can the policy be, uh, I'm an official. I make a call on the mat. Tom Ryan challenges. Okay, I'll review my own call. Uh, you know, you're not gonna, re- you're not gonna be inclined to overturn your own call. Uh, and even if there's a third party referee to come over and just say he does all the reviews, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, they're buddies. They go out to drink. They have a beer. They have dinner. You don't want to overturn your buddy's call in front of him. I say put some guys in a booth somewhere in the bowels of the stadium with a feed and nobody knows who overturned what call or, or, or something because um, 
challenge, you know, I, I, there's challenges that are 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 asked for, and they don't get overturned, and it's it's they're bad calls, dude. Yeah, and, and they're not overturned. So. In defense, yeah. uh, I've seen uh, officials take the time out, take the say, I'll look at it, and um, and change their call. So just to maybe give. No, how often? I I'm telling you, I saw it a few times this weekend. I I, I mean, really did. They were they were going out of their way. I mean, because I'm there for the entire process. I watched them decide to take it. I'm there hearing their words as they look I mean, was at it a it. high ratio? Was it a high ratio of, of uh, calls that were challenged that got overturned? Because Well, here's the thing. Year, last year, I'm almost positive uh, in my final NCAA notes, I got this from some uh, stat guy at, at NCAAs. Uh, it was something like 4 of 48 or something like that. Four of 48 challenges were overturned. That is a low, low ratio. Yes, um, I would agree with the that. Entire NCAA tournament, the entire NCAA tournament, there's always only four calls overturned. I mean, listen, even the best referees, if you have the greatest crew on earth, uh, there's going to be more than four kind of misses in however many bouts, 300 bouts. Or... I actually don't believe that's that number can be right, that there were only four over the entire four. tournament. Maybe it was four that they took themselves. If there had to be more than 48 challenges the entire NCAA tournament. You know how many hundreds and thousands of matches are wrestled? That uh, I'll look it up. I'll look, look it up because I feel I would bet a lot of money that's not quite the number or quite the scenario. So I all I can tell you is what I saw at EIWAs. And you know what? Part of the problem is the coaches will yell about anything. They'll just yeah. complain, know they're wrong. So it's like... They almost get inside their own heads because this coach yells nonsense, yeah. nonsense things, things they know in their heart are wrong that they have to know because they know a lot more wrestling than me, and I'm watching the same thing, but they will do anything, and I get the competitive. They will do anything for their guy, and I don't blame them. But at the same time, uh, you know, the, all they do is scream how wrong everything is, and, yes, officials screw up stalling every single match. But um, 4 of 47. I... I, Four of 47 really, at NCAAs last year. There's no way there were only 47 challenges last year. That me. I, okay. S link that to me because I think this is, this is anti-official propaganda being distributed. Trying to turn this nation against uh, our country's officials. I won't stand <laughs> for it. I won't let it happen, Willie. Um, for once in my life, officials, I got your back. I'm not going to let this... Um, Mob you mentality. have their back on what? You have their back on what? That these numbers have been falsified, that they've been they've been provided uh, erroneously. Okay, uh, that's what no. I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. All right. Did we say enough? I mean, we we hit our daily quota uh, of oh, talking about officials, and so stay tuned till tomorrow, and we'll probably complain about officials again. So we are having a show tomorrow. There's too much to talk about. Yeah. Just everybody know that we are having a show again tomorrow. Yep, but regular time, 9 Central. We appreciate you guys being flexible because uh, it's got to the point Willie and I are kind of um, obsessed with doing this show. And, like, Willie started twitching when he realized his flight wouldn't get in before 9 Central today, but he really wanted to do this show. So we moved. I'm happy to, to be flexible and get it up and do this whenever we can. We appreciate you being flexible and, once again, showing your support listening and uh, et cetera. So thanks for that. We'll see you tomorrow for sure. But shoot, we're only 18 minutes in here, Willie. We got a lot to get to. We didn't even really talk about wrestling yet. No, let's talk about no. wrestling. I, I want to. I want to talk about these Big Ten finals because 
man, there, there's a story really in every match. There's something to talk about. But let's start at the top, 125. I was um, perplexed for a myriad of reasons in, in how this match was wrestled and how it played out. Not that Tomasello won because, I mean, it was overtime match last time. And, yes, Tomasello's never beaten Gilman. And you could potentially say he was in his head maybe a little bit. Um, the way he kind of tu- can't really fire off much offense. He got his takedown, br- great single leg, not really his go-to shot. Uh, impressive finish, and I'm like, wow, uh, you know, that, that's good. And, you know, my initial thought was match over. And ultimately that was right because uh, Thomas Hill was ultimately the winner. But the way the rest of the match materialized, I, I was stunned that Tomasello couldn't stand in there and hand fight with Gilman at all. And even in the beginning of the match, Gilman was moving him around, and I, it wasn't the typical, what you always hear, and what Askren complains about, you know, pushing is an offense. It wasn't just that. I mean, no, okay. Gilman was in pursuit and, like, creating angles and taking shots this match. Yeah. Go. Um, you know, the, I say it all the time because high school wrestling – is uh, a finicky thing, um, b- but a, a one wrestler can beat another wrestler, and I still walk away thinking uh, that the wrestler that lost is probably the better guy. Sure. Uh, and so that happens a lot in high school. Um, and I think, I, I mean, I would pick Thomas Gilman to win a rematch. You know what I mean? Uh, for this reason. Uh, you know, Tomasello got that takedown, and man, um, Gilman was doing really good things. Gilman was going forward, creating angles, um, and and like you said, Tomasello. I mean, I'm not. I don't want to put down Tomasello because no, freaking great performance, great match. But he, I mean, he was running, you know, uh, and running, and Gilman. Gilman, I, I said to the guys behind me, actually, my boy Dayton Fix uh, sat with me through, um, and Derek Fix's father sat with me uh, through NCAAs, and, and we're talking about stuff, and, and you know, we're pointing out matches. Hey, watch this, watch that. And, and when Gilman comes up against uh, Conaway, I'm like, hey, this is going to be a closer match than you think, right? And uh, they're like, really? And I'm like, yeah, Conaway's tough. Conaway's a scrapper. Watch him make a, watch him make a game out of this. So uh, they traded shots. They traded um, takedowns, and it was a really good um, hard-fought match. But I walked away from it ultra, ultra impressed with Gilman because he was putting high-level things together. And it was a close match, but what I I walked away from that match thinking was when Gilman needs a takedown, he can get it because his offense is sophisticated. He puts things together, moves you out of position, gets you off balance, has you, has you guessing. Um, what he's doing with his hands is, is high-level stuff, man. I, couldn't, I was more impressed with Gilman taking second in that tournament than I, than I am a lot of guys that, that won it. And so Gilman was doing that to Tomasello. <sighs> I don't want to. I don't want to sound like I'm anti Tomasello because I love the kid and I've always loved the kid. Right. Yeah. Same here. But, but if he had, if he, if the refs made him stand in the middle, I think Tomasello would have gotten takeout a takedown at some point. You mean Gilman? No, Gilman. Yes. Yeah. Um. I I left feeling the same way, and I'm on the record 
big time fan of Nathan Tomasello, and I was surprised with their match last time in the duel, just like how uh, ineffective he was and how he was unable to really create an angle for himself. And it, even though he won, it felt like Gilman pulled away in a way. It was just like a one shot thing. And there's something to be said for getting to the legs and finishing. And Gilman couldn't do it. Um, and I don't know who the better guy is. I'm inclined to think Gilman's better, but I'm not taking this match away from Tomasello. I just couldn't believe the way it was officiated. When it was clear to me from Jump Street, Tomasello wasn't going to stay engaged at all. And then after he got the takedown, it was blatantly apparent. And I was like, Tomasello's going to get, he's going to give up some stall points here. And to me, it felt like the official swallowed his whistle there because what happened was he gave the stall point that put it within one, right? Yeah. Still nine seconds left on the clock. There should not be a threshold of time that is um, necessary for you to call stalling. Uh, it shouldn't be, oh, well, you can't call it in 10 seconds. Yes, you can, especially with what I saw Tomasello do, literally circling wide. I mean, wide, yeah, wide. But, I mean, come uh, on, yeah, Willie. I know. You, I know. No, 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 no. Throw I'm it not, up there. I'm not disagreeing with you, yeah. but I'm not disagreeing with you, but um, the, the, the stall call should have came way earlier. I mean, you know, I did match notes. Uh, I did an article uh, running blog type of thing where I, I put in match notes, and, and I'm, I'm just writing, Gilman's attacking, Gilman's stalking, Gilman passes an elbow, nonstop attacks by Gilman, uh, you know, Tomasello backing up. I mean, it, that's the way the match went. Yeah. And, and I, I mean, that was, that was a second period. Right. So, uh, you know, it, the stalling was early and often. Yeah. And this is where you you can't say pushing is an offense. You can't. I mean, Gilman was trying to attack, and he was firing off shots. You can't just say, um, you know, well, the ref shouldn't win the match for you, even though I think I said that exact thing after watching the match. But that was kind of a stupid thing to say because <laughs> what can you do if the guy's not going to wrestle you? And that's so – I can't believe I'm saying this about Nathan Tomasell. I cannot believe it. I was like, this guy – is a pit bull, and he still is, and he's still a monster, and he just yeah. beat Jesse Delgado. We cannot forget about that. We're going to get to Jesse. Well, in a moment. is it part of is it a part of a a bigger picture, right? In that Thomas and 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 we have this to bring up later. This is a a, a sketch of the show um, that we're talk we wanted to talk about later is is lack of wrestling, but is it part of the bigger picture that? It has become a game, mm -hmm. and the referees let you play this game. Yeah. Uh, and Tomasello played the game to win, and he won. Right, right. He played the game, and um, we were talking about, we were joking. We're, we're going to start calling people gamers, but it's not going to be like, oh, he's a gamer, he's clutch. We're just going to call it the, the guys that, that wrestle but really play the game more so than wrestling, and maybe we're not going to get into – Naming people, and I'm not accusing. I'll name names. Go ahead, go ahead and do that. Not right now, though. Uh, and I'm not ready to call Tomasello that based on one match. But it was just no, one match. Not the Tom Nathan Tomasello is a little robot. Uh, not robot machine. He's a dynamo, right? He's he's ultra offensive. Who takes? There's not many people that take as many shots as Nathan Tomasello. Yeah. But he didn't that match. He didn't that match. He he went to a play the game style, and guess what? First time he ever beat Gilman. Yep, yep. So, uh, <laughs> and Gil Gilman is scary. I mean, he is so good at taking your offense and turning it into his score. I get 
the hesitation to shoot. I get it. But at least stand in there and hand fight with him was what I was thinking Nathan should be doing. And I'm surprised. He's a, he's a good hand fighter. He's very physical. That he well, that's what, I, that's what I'm saying about Gilman. Uh, what, what I was impressed about. I mean, I was impressed in a lot of areas, uh, just about every area. But, man, he moves you. I mean, yeah. it's hard. It, it, when it's hard for Nathan Tomasello to stand in there and hand fight with you, you know that the kid's doing something right. Force of, force of nature in a lot of ways. So um, that's a match that, you know what, it's a loss. How impactful is it going to be looking at the NCAA picture? I'm not really sure. Um, you know, it, it puts them, I, I think they're probably the four and five. Uh, so we may be looking at a Tomasello-Gilman quarterfinal, which um, – I think we've both kind of uh, intimated that we're, we're probably liking Gilman there, but we'll see it again and we'll, <clears throat> All right, s- we'll uh, see how it plays out. Real quick, because we're on the 25s, uh, fallout from Jesse Delgado. What, what do you take away from his Big Ten tournament? Take away um, kind of maybe confirmation of what maybe we already knew, yet at the same time, he only lost to Tomasello. He was able to wrestle back and um, – I guess get third or fifth. Well, yeah, I mean, I guess I'm not talking about, I guess I'm not talking about uh, results and seedings and stuff, but opinion of him as a national title contender. Uh, my opinion is that he is, he is not one anymore. Um, okay, so because here's the thing. Uh, first of all, and, and again, no disrespect to Jesse Delgado. Love the kid, love his game. But... <laughs> It just—it's weird. He, it, he was the recipient of a lot of judgment calls. Went his way. I mean, he had a tight one with Lambert. Yeah, Lambert's tough. Lambert's I mean, tough. Lambert was beating him four zero, I yeah, believe. He was, he was winning. Yeah, he was winning early there. I don't know. I feel I've always felt like Jesse is one of these guys. Um, He's a gamer in in the good in, in the, the good, good sense, way. Right? Like he Funny, just he'll find the point in a. He'll find it somehow. He'll figure it out. I mean, I'll never forget watching Crazer. Crazer had him beat. And mm-hmm. he freaking, all of a sudden, Jesse Delgado take down into a tilt. And I, I have not seen him hit a tilt like that since. But it's like. <laughs> so he just does what he has to he do. Just like, he just, you know, it was pure will. Um, yeah. And so I think he's always going to have a schematic advantage um, in that he is uh, super savvy. And. He's gonna go as far as his body will possibly let him. I just don't think his body is gonna let him do the things he wants to do. If he starts being able, well, that was that was like McDonough, right? I mean, I don't think yeah. there was, any, I don't think there was any when, when Matt McDonough was coming off of three straight finals. Uh, I don't think there was <laughs> any fall off in talent. It's not like he instead of going right. to practice he was um, hitting hitting a bottle. I mean, he was still. Um, he was still a tremendous wrestler who was in terrific shape. He just his body wouldn't let him do the things that he it made can him do. amazing, right? So and uh, since since then, you know, McDonough has recovered, made a university world team, beating Nate Sean. He's pinned Joe Cologne in freestyle. Like he's back. I mean, it's he, like he made a senior um, world, uh, not world team, but um, I know what you mean. The, you know, top three, yeah, um, national team. National team. Uh, so, yeah, so that's that's Jesse. Okay, uh, we, we won't hit everything in the Big Ten. and um, 
or we'd be talking about this for three days. But 33, Dardanes beat Taylor. Clark, third. Uh, 141, Logan doing Logan things. How about oh Josh gosh. Jeva? Dude, <laughs> Josh Jeva. Uh, unbelievable tournament by him. And he's going to get a really high seed, I think. Um, potentially, because consider he beats Abaddon and Dardanes. May's loss to Chris McCotty. It's conceivable he could go as high as four. It's, I love it. It's, I, it's uh, unbelievable. It's I, unbelievable. First of all, I mean, I always, I've always been a big fan of, uh, of Josh Jeva, even back in when he was in high school. But um, I, I really like the fact. Uh, I'm really happy for him in the fact that he had a kind of a, you know, he's sitting as a top eight guy all freaking year and gets no respect. Even from maybe, his fan base. They even maybe to, Bro- they were trying to replace yeah. him with Brody Grothis the second Sorensen beat him out. That's what. That's what I'm getting at. That that's what I was leading up to. Now it's one thing, it's one thing for the nation of fans to say, um, you know, Jeff is six, but not real impressed with him. Jeff is six, but he's not all that. Uh, it's another thing when your fan base is saying cut somebody down to 41 because Jeff is not going to get the job done. Well, take that. Yeah, yeah. It's kind of a big oh, okay, and and it's again. You know the 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 brands and brands brothers and company know what they have there, and ultimately it's this. Not that NCAs has happened, but you gotta feel like you're making the right call here with with him, obviously at this point, and that he's the guy. And you don't take a senior ranked that high out of the lineup. And I've been getting heat all year long, Willie. You told me a kind of funny story from someone when you were at Oklahoma State about Josh Jeva's ranking. In my cases, who should be higher? Who should, should be higher? And, and no one can answer the question because the answer at that time was nobody. Right. And when he mo- moves up this well, week. Well, here's, here's the thing about that is I said early in the year when 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 Jeva was as high as he was, um, I said that I understand the ranking because there's nobody that should be higher than him, but that he was a weak uh, six. You know, I said that. I said, you know, that's kind of saying that the weight isn't very deep. It's a very shallow weight. Um, however, when you beat a Nick Dardanes, mm. that's saying that's not just saying, well, he's that high because the weight is weak. That's saying he's in that tier now. I mean, he's not in the Logan Devonport tier as we saw in three minutes and seven seconds, right. but he's. He can beat anybody out of those three, uh, outside of the three, right? Yeah, uh, I, I feel like you can't. Well, I didn't leave with the impression that he would ever beat LeVon Mays. Just matchup thing. And okay, he yeah. He could be ranked ahead of him. But that's, you know, matchups matter. But, I mean, the thing, I never thought he'd beat Dardanes either. I was like, terrible matchup for Josh. Terrible matchup. And he beats him with a kind of uh, lopsided score, right? Yeah, like five one or something, and then it's not like Dardanes had a bad tournament afterwards. He went back to beat number six Abaddon, and he beat Lawrence, so he wrestled back for third. So it's not like well, I th- I, uh, real quick. I mean, we can't, again, we can't talk about yeah. every aspect of every way, but uh, Abaddon looked really good. Yeah, matter of fact, uh, I think he might have had a lead on Dardanes at one point, beat Ashnall, but um, that was forty one forty nine. Interesting in the fact that. Um, Okay, so going into the tournament, 
I thought that Hunter could win the tournament. I really, truly mm-hmm. did. And I, um, but it's funny in the sense that Surtis, the returning national champ, beat Sorensen, who gave him his only regular season loss. Uh, but we really don't want to talk about that. I mean, you know, it, it, there wasn't much going on there. Uh, interesting. T- <laughs> it's funny that the final was an interesting tidbit, but it was an interesting tidbit. Yeah. And 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 the the juice. At 149 was the development or the the situation with Logan, uh, Hunter Steber. Yeah, I I couldn't believe when he came out there um, after after he defaulted to Sirtis or forfeited or whatever the official um, name of, of what happened there. And so you figure, okay, he's he's qualified. He's gonna default out to six, get himself right, and he's gonna come. I mean, that was just like not even just assumed. Like that was what was going to happen, and then. I'm watching, and someone texts me, Hunter's wrestling. And I'm like, no, it's, he's going to injury default. He's just going to walk out there for a second. He doesn't even have his elbows taped. And lo and behold, they start wrestling, and he gets a, uh, you know, he gets taken down, and he ultimately gets pinned by Langendurfer. But you have an interesting story. You have some insight here for, as to what happened well, with Hunter. Why don't you share that? Yeah, so, um, but first let me preface it with the fact that I, Hunter looked really good at times. He looked really good at times, but the, but there were also times where he was completely and obviously vulnerable and injured. You know, with those arms, with those both elbows, um, and there were times during the tournament where I thought that he could beat anybody with the stuff that he was doing. Um, obviously, if he can put seven minutes together, uh, I think something that he's really lacking that's going to hurt him and. Is he can't ride uh, uh, anything? He can't ride a pony right now. He he just lets guys up. He cannot ride for any sustained amount of time. Hey, when he won that, uh, uh, when he beat Bites, he would not let the referee raise his hand. I know he's he's in. I can't imagine. I've never had an elbow injury. Have you? Much no. less wrestled with one. It's bizarre. And I'm, you know, when you have a shoulder injury, you can kind of think of how it would impact wrestling. I don't know what. Is it the pulling? Is it? But I know it's got to be so so painful, and and the stories of how tough this guy is kind of pre- preceded this injury. Like we we'd always known he's a really really physically tough guy and able to endure a lot of pain. Part of that having big brother named Logan, um, and this just kind of speaks to it. But um, you didn't tell yeah. the story, Willie. Why do no, you wrestle? No, I, I just wanted to. I but I wanted to say that how good he looked and and before that. So. Uh, so the story goes, uh, tight team race, right? So the story goes, uh, Hunter Stieber beats Bites. That's what they needed him to do. Um, maybe help his seating out and everything like that and, and, and just qualifying. Um, but so then you, you anticipate defaulting out, right? Um, so day two, he's not going to wrestle. Or mo- most people on planet Earth don't believe he's going to wrestle. So Johnny DeJulius is wrestling Jimmy Gulliban, and and Hunter Stieber is somewhere in the bowels of the uh, arena, um, in the locker room or something, um, and he hears the crowd go nuts when Johnny puts uh, Gulliban on his back. Right. Okay? 
So Hunter's not wrestling. He hears this crowd and he says, I'm wrestling. There's no way I'm not wrestling right now. We need to win a team title. So he comes out, no elbow taped. If you saw day one, you, you know that he was all taped up. He's not supposed to wrestle. Coaches don't want him to wrestle. It's not anticipated that he will wrestle. He comes out, and he's going to wrestle, and there's a long delay. And I can't confirm this. I didn't ask anybody after the fact, but um, it looked like the coaches were saying, no, we probably shouldn't do this, Hunter. And Hunter is saying, no, nah, I'm going to wrestle. And he goes to the middle of the mat, and then he goes back to the coaches in this conversation, and he goes to the middle of the mat, and he goes back to the coaches, and then he wrestles. And he wrestles very good. Hmm. I don't know about all that. He didn't look great to me. Lo you don't think? He looks I mean, he would have won, won the mat. I mean, he got headlocked, you know? He wouldn't. I'm pretty sure he was losing or close to losing at the time uh, of the fall. He was trying to yeah. get. He was trying to take the lead with that takedown. He got doubled in the first 15 seconds of the match. His okay, so maybe he didn't look uh, amazing, but um, he he looked all right. Okay, he so looked all right. I will, I'll agree with that. So uh, this is the sequence, Christian, and this is what was interesting to me about the elbows is he takes a double from way outside. Right. And he is fully extended. And you would think with two elbows, he wouldn't, you're stuck underneath. It's no dice. It's not even a good situation to be in because you're going to hurt yourself even worse. He sucks it up. He's about to score when he gets headlocked. So, I mean, that was interesting to me. But anyway, the cool story is obviously he's not going to wrestle. He hears the crowd. He comes out. He wants to help his team. Right. Yeah, I think he. I don't. Well, I don't know the details of the injury. Can it be made worse? Can they? Can he get more injured, or is it just going to be what it's going to be? You can't make it worse. It's completely jacked up, and there's nothing that can be done to make it worse. But um, there's a reason he's forfeiting, right? Because there must be risk there. So for the for him to come out, you're you're assuming the risk. And Langendorfer, he couldn't get to a, a Russian tie fast enough. He couldn't get to an overhook fast enough. He couldn't wrench that elbow. Fast enough, and that's not a, a dig at Langendorfer. You do what you got to do to win um, within the rules. But you you put your guy at risk there, and Hunter had a look of pain very early in that match before um, he got headlocked and pinned. So for me, and it's easy to say this now because he got pinned, but it's like, well, was it worth it? And even if they had won the tournament on that, if they had won the Big Tens because he wrestled that one match by a half a point, would it have been worth it if he gets re-injured? Yes. Yes. Yes? Yeah. And, okay. And well, Husky hadn't won a Big Ten title since, I think, 51 or 53 or something. I mean, what? okay. But what's it? Do you want the kid to? But if it completely undermines an NCAA run, it's, that seems pretty short-sighted. I don't know. I mean, if, well, I mean, to answer your question, I think the uh, – the general consensus is he can't get more injured. Right. Well, I, I do know J.D. Bergman was commenting, and he said basically that one is a lot worse than the other. And, um, you know, so that means the other can get worse, right? <laughs> yeah, so, I guess. Um, I don't know. I mean, I'm not – I don't – Yeah, yeah it's a fair point. It's I, a fair point. For, for me, I, I, was, I was pretty stunned because here's the thing. It's it's all about the team at that point because wherever Hunter does or doesn't get seated, 
does it really matter? Like, it doesn't matter. He's going to be what he's going to be. And he, if he's on, he, he can beat anyone. I, he was my preseason pick to win it all. I no. Well, he has, he has two weeks, less than two weeks to to heal up and, and, and help them, help the Buckeyes at, at the big dance. Um, they need him. Moving on, what else? What else? I mean, you want to talk about Bo? Let's talk Bo because this was um, this was an eye-opening weekend for me as a Bo Jordan um, fan, to put it mildly. Uh, I was not aware of these bottom issues to the degree, He's and not, I'm not just talking Isaac Jordan. Um, no, because listen, uh, throughout the tournament, throughout the tournament. The pe- people talking around me were all like, "Man, Bo is not good on bottom," <laughs> and you could see it. Yeah, I mean, e- evident, 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 and it's like, I I, I can't believe it. Some it's really good on top. So good on top. So good on his feet. Just like um, bad on bottom. Apparently, got ridden out by Austin Wilson, who's you know was a kind of a fringe qualifier and now he had a really he had a really nice tournament and he's going to go yeah, no, he might he might get himself seated but at the Here's same, another thing with Bo too. I mean, the bottom issue is that's bad. That's a bad thing, especially at the NCAA tournament when you might find yourself in a situation that you know, it it happens every time. You the situation presents itself where you're in a tight match with somebody you're not expected to be in a tight match with, and you know one point matters, and a riding time certainly matters, and and so those bottom issues are a big deal for Bo going into oh St. Louis. But also, let's talk about this. He was going, you know, Bo's offense since he was a junior in high school has been super efficient and safe. Uh, you can't hardly get to his legs ever, and. And when he does take shots, they're nice, clean, good positioning. Um, and he was dropping in. He was collar tie on to the right side on Zeke and dropping in on this single or low single on Zeke several times. And he couldn't finish. And I, I don't recall Bo Jordan not being able to finish. Yeah, I mean, there's there's probably a little bit of familiarity there with, with those guys. And... Um... I mean that was a cross face from you know where from Isaac Jordan. That was I mean he was like ripping his head off. It was um We got a we got a really pretty uh shot of Zeke too when when Bo's in on a leg, he hits like a cutback, but like he uses his foot to cut back the ankle. It's pretty pretty damn cool. Uh I you have to check it out. But um yeah, so so Bo with But let's uh, get let's get to the thing. He's getting away. Real quick recap of this match. He gives up a takedown off his own shot. Um, Has not gotten a takedown. He's had some time. He gets ridden for a while, but gets away in the first. And then he takes uh, bottom in the second, and he gets ridden for a while again, but then he gets away. So he's got two escapes. So it's 2-2. Going into the third. 2-2, start of the third. Zeke takes down. Bo puts uh, a boot into one side, reaches across like a splato position, and Zeke whirlybirds. So injury timeout. Bo gets choice. Now, what do you do if you're Bo? Bo elected. Bo elected to go neutral, and a lot of people are second guessing that. I was second guessing it. I'm not being a Monday morning quarterback. It was the wrong call by you know not just because of how the match ended, but 
just by what had happened in the previous, you know, five and a half minutes. He had not gotten a takedown yet. Isaac Jordan is extremely good defensively, and he had gotten away twice. You can, we've already conceded the riding time point. It's not like he was sitting at 58 seconds and you go down and you give up the point. It was, it was a formality. Uh, Zeke was going to get riding time. You give yourself a minute 34 to get away. Um, you get away, and if you can't get away on on bottom in a minute 34, then what? You know, you you don't deserve to win the match in the first place. So to put it on, you know, I, I get it. Takedown for the win. You feel good on your feet, but. Okay, that's just something to say, but it's like, it's easy to say that, but look at the match. Look at what has happened before you and be smart. And if you're so good on your feet, once you get out on bottom, you're going to take them down anyways. Um, but there was some miscommunication, not miscommunication, there was mixed signals coming from both sides. He was initially, remember, he took bottom, then decided he wanted to go neutral. Do you remember that, Willie? In the second. Yeah, and they let him. And then, I mean, uh, no, yeah. they made him go bottom. They made him go. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So they didn't let him change his mind. So it's already like he didn't have a plan for what position he was going to change. Okay. Well, here's here's my thing. And this goes way back. This goes back to the Graham days. If you know St. Paris Graham more than any team in the country by far, without a doubt, St. Paris Graham kids pick neutral, uh, number one. And number two, if you're Bo Jordan, I see I have less of a problem with him taking neutral than most people. Mm. For two reasons. I mean, you know, you're, we just talked about how bad he was on bottom the whole tournament. Number one. So, so you're telling me that he should have picked bottom there? What, because the situation dictated it? No. Listen, you know that you're not good on bottom. You know that Zeke is good on top. You know you have supreme confidence on your on your feet, so do what you want to do. But, go where go where you're good. But, he was in on he was in on shots on Zeke the whole match. Well, he didn't finish, and the one time he did get on a shot, it got countered for a takedown. And the two times he was on bottom, okay, he got so away. If if he wrestles Zeke at nationals, um, he should not try to wrestle on his feet at all because he didn't finish shots. That's. Such a, I can't believe you would say that and make that so kind you're, of a leap. You're, okay, no. you no. get in, you get in on a shot, don't finish. You get in on a shot, don't finish. You get in on a shot, don't finish. Well, let's try to avoid wrestling on our feet. That's what what we're trying to do. We're trying to win a match, Willie. No, you go bottom. Yes, Willie, you go you're underneath. Trying, you get you, you've escaped twice already. Let me tell you what happens. He takes down. He takes down. He gets ridden out, and 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 he never gets a chance to score on his feet. Okay. Well, there you go. You take neutral and you don't score and you didn't whatever. You but at least you're giving yourself a shot. You're giving yourself a shot if you go bottom by the exact same yourself, thing. You are putting yourself in the best possible position to win. How many money morning quarterbacks were there uh, when Seattle, instead of running their bell cow Marshawn Lynch from the two-yard line, ran a freaking slant route okay. that ended up in a pick? You put yourself in the best position you can. And and it, that match had dictated that bottom was the best position. That's the only way he had scored. He had scored there twice, so that was his best position. I'm sorry, that's that's the way the match materialized. And I know he's bad on bottom, but what the heck? He's so bad he got away twice. He knows how to get away from Isaac Jordan because it happened twice. So, I, I agree to disagree. Okay. Uh, Ten minutes to go, man. Yeah, we it was a two-hour show. Uh, other things. Imar being ridiculous. Not tame. Robert, 
Robert Kokish, uh, first of all, 174 pounds, 12 straight periods with no takedown. And then Kokish comes out and is supremely offensive. That was a great bout. That was a really fun bout. Kokish took a lot of shots, uh, or an, a, a decent amount of shots. Brown took a couple shots, too. Looked like he was going to score a couple Crazy times. Crazy scramble. Kokish won the scrambles. Uh, Mike McMullen. Uh, this is ridiculous. This is ri- I want to address this because um, – I've gotten some heat on my pound-for-pound rankings about how you have so many heavyweights in there, da-da-da-da-da. And Mike McMullen won his first tournament, uh, his first tournament since the 2010 Cleveland five, State Open. Five years Okay, ago. This guy is has been third, second, third. He's been amazing. Yeah, he doesn't have Ace. a title. Oh, he doesn't have a title. Get over it. Look at the guys this dude has beaten. Look at the weight he has been in. Mike McMullen, say it out loud. Mike McMullen has not won a tournament since 2010, and it was the Cleveland State Open. This weight has been unreal the last four or five years, and it's time it's a, it's you guys— 2-3 is amazing. You have got to respect this weight. And I get it. It's not aesthetically pleasing, but freaking Mike McMullen is hitting short drags from a front headlock. Mike McMullen is shooting low singles and scrambling all day. So shut your mouths, heavyweight haters. It's been an awesome weight, and Mike, Mike McMullen Mc- just won his first time five to watch. He's fun to watch. Um, and then also uh, Morgan McIntosh looking like a dynamo. Yeah, looks good. I mean, he. hey, you know I love Morgan. I picked him preseason to win a title last year. Didn't quite work out for me, but I've always believed in his talent. And um, then Chris Penny happened. Chris Penny. <laughs> hey, it had hey. to. Be, it had to be a VA boy. So, um, okay, let me. I want to wrap up. I want to get to ACC gotcha. thing real quick. But um, <laughs> the tie, right? The tie. Uh, so, so Hunter loses. Bo loses. Um. And then for Iowa, you know, as it's getting down to the wire, Evans wins, Burak loses, and then Snyder loses, and then <laughs> Telford has to beat McMullen. It's all on Telford, and he's up 3-0, and McMullen wouldn't be denied, and we end up in a tie. Yeah, cr- crazy, you know, little things, little things, little things, and it How about this? How about this, Christian? Iowa won a Big Ten title with zero champions. Yeah, and they won an NCAA title, um, the Metcalf Caldwell year, without a without a without a champ. And so that's happened. That's happened before in our sport, you know. Um, yeah, and it's not commonplace, though. Right? No, absolutely not. It's it's rare that it happens that way. But it speaks to the fact that they got ten wrestlers, and even though they didn't all show up, uh, that's the way it goes. And you've got more bullets in the chamber just by having ten solid guys and you can have a couple dudes have a Nick Moore kind of showing where you don't wrestle well and you can you can absorb those losses that's why they're the number one team in my opinion so um hats off to Iowa and big and uh Ohio State on a, on a fantastic tournament and um all the marbles in 10 days um okay so let's get to your neck of the woods and two um points to bring up here first point is in ACC, Virginia Tech, who, I mean, I, I didn't look at all the aspects of it uh, and, and do math pre-tournament, but 
there was no doubt in my mind that Virginia Tech was winning the ACC tournament. Number one, that's the first point I want to talk about. Second point I want to talk about is we had an argument last show about how great the ACC was, <laughs> and I still think you're wrong. So, okay, first point, Virginia Tech does not win ACCs, but UVA does. Yeah, and Virginia Tech didn't get second. Uh, Pitt did. <laughs> Pitt right. beat them both. So, um, if one thing I mentioned about Tech is that their schedule has been berserk start to finish um, from early November till now. They, they have not had um, any slowdown time. And I, I, I kind of wonder if that matters, you know, if that's taking its toll. These guys have had. Been- well, I, I don't know. I, I don't know about that. I mean, what? <laughs> I mean, Joey Dance is winning. Jevin Devin Carter is winning. Uh, so, yeah, the big guns were. But big- here's 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 the point that you made to me uh, in pre-show and prepping for the, you know, for the show. And what I found interesting is that you said all their big guns performed. All their other cast members uh, crapped the bed, basically. So, yeah. uh, talk about that a little bit. Well, I mean, North. If, if, because if, here's the thing: I know they're studs, but if if the training, if the if the schedule was too grueling, why would it affect? Why wouldn't it affect the big guns, and it would affect the rest of the because team? Because the big guns are so much better than their competition. Joey Dance is so much better than Nick Herman. Carter is so much better than Joey Ward. Um, and Brichetta is so much better than Andrew Atkinson that even on a bad day, a poor day, they're going to beat those guys. So there's your answer right there. We don't know yeah. if they're having a good day. They beat guys that are all um, low-ranked or unranked. So there's your answer for that. Um, and it's been a kind of I steady mean, would you, go- not, uh, would you not – I know that Ty Walls has taken some some weird losses, but he's also beat, like, Adam Kuhn. Right. <laughs> so, I mean – I mean, he lost to Ryan Solomon, an undersized heavyweight. Tip of the cap to UVA, though, right? Yeah, you got it. You got to give credit there. And uh, I, w- I didn't see this coming, but good for UVA having their guys ready to go. Don't be surprised so, if Tech turns it around or at least reverses the results on the entire ACC on the strength of their, their hammers. But, oh, nobody will. Nobody in the ACC will come close to Tech at in St. Louis. Right, but look at look at what Virginia did. Herman runner up at twenty five. D. Camillo champ. Uh, third at forty one with Spizak. Um, T. J. Miller plays fourth. Beat Mastriani. Uh, yeah, Andrew Atkinson, runner up. Uh, Soldier champ. Blaze Butler runner up. Askey fourth. Zach Nye runner up. So I mean, man. Up and down. Ten guys wrestled hard for them. Yep, and that's kind of been the story for them. They've, they've always they they get their guys ready to go and they oh. wrestle. They wrestle. So speaking of wrestle, I don't want you know not to go back to the Big Ten, uh, but there was a lot of buzz about Purdue's effort. I mean, and that that's good for the that's Love really it. good for the sport. You know, when people are when people are. Um, oh, let me. Okay, yes, yeah. you're right. We've talked about Purdue. We love them. Other programs that. Um, so I'm at EIWAs and I'm seeing. These little programs love what I saw from Drexel. Excited for that program as as they kind of um, grow and mature, and it was good for them to get a champ with with Devoy. Um, yeah, love the way Princeton's been wrestling. Those guys compete. Oh yeah, how about compete really that? hard? Chris yeah, Perez, 
the surprise of, of the tournament, in my opinion, his run beating Cobb and Ruggarello. Um, and who was their other? They had another runner-up, I believe. Um, Jordan Laster, who was the Laster. who was the beneficiary of Todd Preston's injury. But those two teams kind of um, stuck out to me as like, wow, heading in the right direction. Good yeah. for Princeton. Good for Drexel. I was excited to watch both those teams, and it's always good to see teams from that are a little down and watch them slowly, slowly. Well, build. You know, I, I've said Ursuline, Ursuline's my guy, and and um, I've stated how impressed I was with Purdue over and over again. But being at the Big Tens and just hearing people around me, mm-hmm. um, everybody's noticing, man. Everybody, it's like, man, that guy's doing good things there. He has his team ready to go. So that was pretty cool. Um, and, and uh, you know, we're out of time. That wraps, I mean, that that's mm. just a little taste of Gosh. everything that happened Everything that happened uh, in a crazy, crazy weekend, um, we didn't even get, I mean, we won't, college, college kind of dominated. We didn't talk nothing about high school. But uh, tomorrow, uh, we have a lot of what we think are really good topics. Uh, the team race going forward in St. Louis. Uh, lack of offense and, and, and uh, you know, all the Twitter battles and, and, and the perception of wrestling, low-scoring affairs and playing the game, and, and maybe some enigmas, you know, uh, guys that we can't quite put our finger on. We thought they did good, but they did bad. They, they did bad. Uh, but we thought they were bad, but they did good. Can they keep the? Can they keep it going? Um, yeah. So we have a lot of good stuff that we think we want to hit tomorrow. Um, Christian, yeah, tomorrow um, nine central back at our regular time. Um, we're gonna keep this coming. We're gonna bring it a couple times this week, more than the usual. So tomorrow at nine central, we hope to see you there, hear you there, tune in. Thanks for listening today, and we'll see you next time.